We welcome back to the Radio 2 Breakfast Show. Oh, one of our favourites. All round top chap, back with a brand new album just when we needed him most. McCartney 3, it's his rock down solo album. So, Paul McCartney, good morning. Good morning, Zoe. How are you doing? I'm okay, actually. Very excited to speak to you. Do we find you in fine fessel, Paul? Yeah. Pretty good, actually. Excellent stuff. And this new album, absolutely fabulous. Our first guest tonight is one of the most talented and famous people in all the world. He is a two-time inductee in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and he's a knight. His newest work is a four-song EP. It's called Change the World. It comes out tomorrow. Please welcome Ringo Starr. Wow. I'm doing really good, thank you. And you're right to not shake my hand and give me the elbow because I wouldn't want to be responsible for yeah. potentially killing Ringo. You know, it means something different in England. What does it mean? It Giving mean, the elbow. It? Oh, it's not good? <laughs> no, it's fun. Oh, it's good, okay. okay. I never know what you guys over in England. You have all different things we for do. everything. Fab. I'm Ed Chan. And I'm John Stone. Well, we're back at the end of the year. We're somewhere in the middle of the seven or eight shows we're doing on eight hours of Get Back. <laughs> and by the time we actually get to it, they may have added a couple hours <laughs> because it just seems to be going up and up and up. Part two, the part which we're actually getting on the Friday, was three hours. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Then whenever we do get the Blu-ray... Hopefully sometime next year they're saying there's another five or six hours. Right. And then after that will be the bootlegs of all the stuff that didn't get in the movie. And so we'll have like 57 hours. <laughs> we should be somewhere in the vicinity of at least half of what Peter Jackson had, I think. And, you know, now they're releasing all sorts of bits and pieces just to run up the excitement of this. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, there's just so much good stuff. It's great to see in the midst of all these sessions, which in my head is the winter of their discontent, this joy and having fun. It's really thrilling to look forward to. So the last 14 months, we've seen 22 new CDs from Beatles, solo Beatles. That's an amazing figure, <laughs> really. It's a little bit scary, actually. <laughs> Right. Yeah. The, the thing that, that is fun for me from a personal standpoint is that, you know, the excitement for what's coming uh, is just like it was back in the day when you didn't know what was coming, but you looked forward to the anticipation. To get new material. That's just great. Yeah. It's not just a rehash of old albums and, and you know, bootlegs or demos or whatever, but the, this whole new thing that nobody has seen before now the one thing which we were kind of thinking would come that hasn't come yet but we'll probably get sometime early next year is uh, paul needs to finish off the archive releases on the wing stuff all this left is uh, london town and back to the egg is that in the works you think he's kind of hinted at it he's mentioned he went into the office one day and they were showing him some of the stuff for Arrow Through Me. What else would he be doing where they'd be talking about Arrow Through Me? Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that's cool. A completist. It's a little hard to believe that that series has been going on for over 10 years now. 
Yeah. And he's probably going to have to go back and redo at least a couple. I mean, Band on the Run, now uh, he needs to bring it up to scratch with the rest of the series. Were you not happy with the box set? It was fine for the time, but now we're to five and six and <laughs> seven discs in a box and a Blu-ray and... <laughs> well, this is true. And Paul's going to want to resell his band on the run all over again anyway for the 50th. Yeah, I guess that'll be 2023, right? Coming on us uh, fast. I don't know what he'll call it. The Deluxe Deluxe Edition? Right. The book is great, but some of the early sets, the market hadn't established what should a Deluxe Edition box set look like. So if he was going to make it fit in a thing, that you know, he would redo it. But, you know, you, don't, you might also consider the fact that because he's already kind of done it, there might be a question of, well, how many of these could we sell? But if he takes a note from George's estate, he could sell it for a lot of freaking money. <laughs> you know, Band on the Run is the one that he could do the Uber edition with. Right. There's probably about three or four, maybe five McCartney albums that he could do that with. And Band on the Run and Flowers in the Dirt are certainly two of them. And he has enough money now where he could send like a private investigator back into Lagos and recover his original demo tapes. <laughs> if the, even if they found their way to the dump, we're going to go and go, go and find the dump <laughs> from 1974. I mean, they did finally, finally find right. those, uh, those ET cartridges that they buried in the Arizona desert. Yeah. The video game, which killed the Atari 2600. And <laughs> yeah. So anything is possible. We decided to, to take a look back here. I mean, since, you know, mid this year, we've had a lot of stuff, but we go all the way back to October of 2020, John's birthday last year. That was really when this release-a-thon kicked off. And with, with the release that I was aware of, but never heard, and that was John Lennon's Give Me Some Truth. At the time, it was a release that we all kind of wondered why exactly is this necessary? John has had almost an infinite number of box sets and compilations through the years. It turns out that, well, this is really Sean's debut as the Lord of the Lennon Manor. Yeah, I had an opportunity to, to listen to it this week, and there's some good stuff. I mean, it's not so much for the material, it's for the remixes. Yes. What you pointed out that I was like, oh my God, that sounds great, is uh, whatever gets you through the night which this remix has kind of separated Elton and John's voice. It's still a duet, but you can now hear each piece separately. Uh, you know, I could never tell what exactly John was singing and what exactly Elton was singing in any previous mix. Right. That was it. You, know, you could actually sit and listen to John's part because it's the lower part, which I assume was what he sang when he wrote it. But it's really Elton's harmony that is kind of four in the mix, you know, it's so you, that's kind of what you hear, but it's John's melody underneath it. That uh, was really interesting. Then, then the piano and then the basses throughout this two disc set and really throughout almost all of these releases, the bass is cranked up. Right. That, that's what the modern ear wants, I think, because in a way that was what they were trying to solve for many years was trying to get the bass some bottom and kick so this kind of brings that up on that song in particular that 70s style bass is is up in your face and then sean seems to have taken some liberties with the double fantasy and milk and honey material the starting over mix is a fairly significantly different mix from any that we've had before right the, the girl vocalists are cranked way down, and it actually feels a little less 50s than it used to. Yeah, that's one of those things where you think, I would have liked to have been a fly on a wall when they discussed why and how they were going to do the remix, you know, because I think for the most part, that original version is the way John heard it and the way he wanted it. So to significantly reduce some of that stuff is like, hmm, I don't know. Well, the thing it most resembles to my ear is the 12-inch mix, which was different than the, the single mix or the album mix back in the day. And then the other thing is Sean has very specifically said that he has memories of being there in the studio and listening to what they were talking about now as a five-year-old. <laughs> I don't know quite how reliable those memories are, but I mean, that's part of what guided him. Yeah. 
Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> and then the other noticeable thing is the they used a different opening of Grow Old With Me. Yes, a little talking. Yeah, and, and the first verse is, is noticeably from a different version. I've heard a version of that that I thought that the strings were up a lot more. In the Lennon um, box set. This is the remix of George Martin's mix. Yeah, well, I like that one. <laughs> so they took George Martin's mix, and then they swapped out the first verse from a, another demo that John had around. Then they played with everything else as far as the strings and the backing. You bounder, you cheat. <laughs> that was two discs, and it may be a little less essential, particularly since we had the Imagine box before, and now we have the Plastic Ono Band box, and that covers probably about 75% of one of the discs. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting in it is that he includes one song from sometime in New York City, Angela. You know, I think there's some much more powerful songs on that album. I don't know whether they were thinking, well, we're going to redo that album and we'll save that punch for then. But that's just an odd choice for me to represent that album. This was, in fact, the first time Angela had ever appeared on a Lennon compilation. We spoke just briefly before that oh yeah john's had dozens and dozens of compilations and he has but angela was the unique track to this compilation right but at the same time sunday bloody sunday or born in a prison or some of those songs would have been the first time those we're on a compilation. So it's just a, an odd or interesting choice. It's Sean's choice. I mean, you know, this release has really almost kind of been lost in the onslaught of everything else we've gotten this year. <laughs> yes. For the Beatle people, we'd heard on and off through 2020 that, oh, there's going to be a 50th of plastic on our band. But the book that comes with this, and it's a great book, by the way if you buy the deluxe edition of this set. Uh, but, you know, all of these books are great. Anyway, the, at, at the end of the book, they list other Lennon releases, and they mention the Ultimate Edition Plastic Honor Band. It's like, oh, okay, so it's coming. Yeah. You know, the whole book industry is something that I, they probably never even foresaw at all, that there would be, you know, all these big books to come out for with these projects they've got to put something in there to make the deluxe editions deluxe although mccartney's kind of always done that to a certain extent going back to wings over america where you know he'd put out a, a picture book of linda's pictures every year through the fun club right but you know they're also the ones that aren't part of the record releases yep. there's the imagine book and the, the get back book and there's the plastic on a band book yeah I don't know if the Lennon Estate is going to continue releasing a separate, larger book with each, but I don't know why they wouldn't. Although, again, a sometime in New York City book may be uh, contentious. Yeah. But certainly the, the other side of that, when we get to Walls and Bridges and Mind Games, I could see them putting together a pretty nice book for each of those. And, and then Rock and Roll. Oh, Angel Baby. There is the proper way to despectorize something i think uh yeah yeah and that's on there so the thing i don't understand about the whole seeming avoidance of sometime in new york city including a book is that in the popular image of lenin is his peace campaign uh his political activism and yet that is the epitome of it what he was doing at the time so there's lots of photographs you know, hanging out with Jerry Rubin and the Black Panthers, you look at him on the Mike Douglas show, was he really pushing peace at that time or had he kind of fallen for another guru saying, oh, you know, the way to is violent left-wing politics? Well, I don't know that he ever espoused violent. He tried to stay away from it. Yeah, and there was a public dialogue. He would write back and forth and exchange letters in the press. and But it's important. You know, I mean, it was several years out of his life actively pursuing that. It's a large part of why he had to fight the immigration department. There's a lot wrapped up in that. That's really almost a separate industry in and of itself. You know, the U.S. versus John Lennon and really even some of the stuff that came out 
with the new Imagine documentary, the, the Give Me Some Truth documentary, another Give Me Some Truth a uh, couple years back. <laughs> right. Is that part of our discussion about the releases? But I, it, that just strikes me as like, you know, let's jump into that. Well, that's the whole other show. I mean, once we get through Get Back, we, <laughs> we can talk about Lenin politics, and I think we probably should. Yeah, that was that would be a, a good thing. The Give Me Some Truth box was followed by something which we really weren't expecting. Right about this time last year in 2020, clues started showing up on Paul's socials. Right. We didn't know what these clues were referring to. And it, uh, actually what happened was they then sent out promotional dice to selected people. I didn't get a pair. I had to buy my pair. <laughs> Well, next year, next year you'll be on that list. And then they finally came out and said, Paul had put out an album during Rockdown. Yeah, it was pretty good. December of 2020, we got McCartney 3. Yeah, and at the same time, Ringo released Here's to the Nights. Good song. The Diane Warren song. Yeah. She's one that I'd like to see him work with a little bit more in, in terms of a songwriter. Yeah, she was real good. And, and the, you know, the uh, kind of change the world aspect of the video is nice to see all those people it, it appeals to me but unfortunately the thing that people will comment and remember about mccartney 3 is all those damn color versions that paul issued that was interesting different colors and again I, we've talked about this before but you know if you're a completist then suddenly you've you got 15 copies of mccartney 3 that's okay if, if that's what you want but that's a lot of stuff just for, and now I've got yellow. I thought them doing it the way they did the very first one, which was, in fact, the official announcement of the record. Oh, we're going to have 300 copies from Third Man that came from recycled McCartney 1 and 2. A concept worthy of John <laughs> and Yoko. Well, conceptually, it is it is actually pretty cool, and it's Paul... You know, doing doing <laughs> something with his buddy Jack White in Third Man Records. and But that was then followed by, you know, basically every color under the rainbow. I think at, at last count, there were something like 13 or 14. And, and we got another yellow just a few months back. And then they'll melt a bunch of them together and have a <laughs> rainbow. But as far as the record itself, there's a lot of good songs on it. Yeah. Uh, I know it's coming up, so I'll talk about it then. But, you know, the, the project got even bigger as the year went on. At the time of release, he was on the cover of Rolling Stone with Taylor Swift, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> you know, people, people when they look well, back at, at this era, are going to just wonder what the hell was going on. You know, you got Taylor Swift re-recording her albums. And then you got McCartney yeah. with all these colors and this other project, <laughs> which we'll bring up here later in the year yeah from a record industry perspective it's like this is just strange yeah although you know taylor's effort is brilliant and, and you know in a way so is mccartney's what he ended up doing with this in a way so it might be strange but i think people will go pretty smart and we got a song which dated all the way back to flaming pie kind of cool although you can very definitely tell the difference in quality of Paul's voice from 25 years ago and now. Yeah. I still, I was listening to the album yesterday in prep for this show, and it's like, I still love Kiss of Venus, the song, but man, oh man, Paul's voice. Yeah. It's just a shame. It is a great song as a song. It's just, he's limited in the performance. Yeah. Well, you know, I think McCartney... Definitely, I mean, certainly he sees himself as a performer, but he definitely sees himself as a songwriter. So even if his performance of something doesn't blow people away, I think he does issue songs for other people to consider. We'll get to that. The new year flipped, and we basically, in January and February of this year, we did get the official announcements of both the Plastic Ono Bandbox and the George Harrison All Things Must Pass box. Right. We kind of figured right. that they were coming. And in fact, really as, as early as 2019, both Danny and Sean had gone out and done some interviews saying, oh yeah, they'll be out in 2020. But well, 2020 was 2020. Right. Save your paycheck. Yeah. So the first was Plastic on a Band. 
Yeah, Plastic Armor Band came out in March, and, and that was six CDs and two Blu-rays, and that was among the very first things you did here on the show. Yeah. I still liked the box. I didn't re-listen to all of the box, but I did, you know, just sort of pick through some things. It is a little bit repetitive. Right. One of the things they did was sort of follow the evolution of the song. You, you get a demo, and then you get some recordings of it, and you get the final recording of it. And that's cool from a studied standpoint, but how many times are you going to listen to it? Well, exactly. I, I think some of those discs don't pass the Giles Martin, are you going to listen to this more than a couple times, and are you going to pull it out again, or is it just going to sit on your shelf? Exactly. I've made a mixtape since then, and the only thing I pulled from that whole box set was the acapella version of mother the remixes themselves are really very good they are but you know those songs have been in my lexicon for a long time since i bought the album in the 70s and you might prefer the the original mix rather than something new well i mean i like to do mixes it's just that when you're talking about here's this release how does it impact you the thing that impacted me most was that acapella version I mean, I was just like, wow, I could listen to that a bunch of times. So I put it on my list and and I can't. And then the jams disc. I, I really like the jams disc. Yeah, it's it would be possible to t- kind of take the jams disc and Harrison's various things and things from Let It Be and do kind of a, a rock and roll <laughs> LP based on all those versions of things but otherwise yeah i mean i think the imagine box becomes much more listenable through time and you know as we discussed back then it was like well part of the deal is that plastic on a band is just so sparse you you don't have an orchestra to pull out and present just the orchestral arrangement exactly for the most part it was three people playing and a vocal how much can you do with it really We, we do get that great moment where John is just so happy to see George. George! Uh-huh. Is it tuned to open eight? Yeah. No, no, it's probably F sharp. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I mean, because it was so strung, so slack. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Weren't you guys just fighting a couple of months ago? <laughs> yeah, but I think what we're learning is that they've been fighting since... 1960. I mean, they were brothers, and they butted heads, and then were best of friends. And, and then fell apart again. I mean, uh, you know, they exactly. they were buddies exactly. for a while, and then, of course, there was that great drunken night with John and George, where they were at a radio interview. And- Let me introduce to you the one and only John Lennon. You just come in and yeah. shout things, talking about the Beatles. What's that? John didn't do concert for Bangladesh, and George got upset at him. Right, and then John was upset that George didn't put him in his book. I think John and George never quite made up the way that John and Paul seem to have. Yeah. Again, we don't know really, really what's going on, but at least from the public perception and from what everyone says. Look at kind of the way they are as people, and I think that if the fact that it was still kind of touchy, uh, between John and George wasn't a fatal thing, and they both knew it. Eventually, it'll all be cool and whatever. Paul, I think, wanted to make things right or nicer. And so he actively pursued that. Whereas I think George and John both were like, okay, whatever. John wanted George to talk about him the way Paul talks about him in the lyrics book. I mean, every few pages, uh, there's a John story. (laughs) Please, uh, a little more worship, please. (laughs) That's what Mary says about Paul is sometimes when he just can't take it anymore, he needs to go out in public because he lives off the adulation. Yeah, like a drug, (laughs) I'm sure. So, okay. The other release that came out in March of this year was uh, the rest of Ringo's EP. Change the world. It's good enough. (laughs) that's good i liked it i like that song change the world the song is probably the best song on there the the reggae song is kind of nice although with that one i'm not sure we needed another one on the other ep which we'll talk about here well i think ringo certainly has people around him who make better records i mean there's nobody like chips moment around to turn out a bad record so even songs that i don't really care for that much sound good they're well recorded. So when he does hit on a good song, 
it's very good. All of the songs on these releases are well in line with what we've gotten from Ringo over the last really decade since he departed from the otherwise occupied Mark Hudson. Yeah. Then the next thing in June was the release of the uh, All Things Must Pass box in several iterations. Yeah. A birthday present to Paul. All Things Must Pass. (laughs) Yeah, and that was... That was a magnificent release. And that collection is very listenable. And I still don't regret buying the Uber edition. <laughs> you know, people say, do, well, good. do you regret spending that much money? I don't. Right. Well, good. There's no buyer's remorse. None at all. That's the best part of a purchase that you you feel like you got your money's worth and it satisfied the And thing, the gnomes. So. And the <laughs> And the gnomes, yes. What can you say? But the record itself is great. These days, uh, prefer most of it to the original version because of the way my ear heard the original version. So the new mixes I, I like very much. And, and I understand there are a lot of people who prefer the way it was, but I like this one very much. This is the same thing we were talking about with Plastic Ono Band, except here it's the opposite problem. It's, okay, you've got, you've got so much. <laughs> would you rather just have it all together? Well, I mean, back to mono, as Phil would tell us. Yeah. Or would you rather have a, a little bit of separation? And, I mean, of course, George changed his mind drastically. I mean, in 1970, he was all behind the Phil Spector wall of sound treatment. Yeah. Look at his history with... Phil Spector. It didn't end with All Things Was Pass. It went on for several years. So he wasn't dissatisfied with it at the time. But I think, as any artist would, you think, well, George played with the Beatles for all that time. So he had that experience. But All Things Was Pass was really his first major solo record. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we're not counting electronic sound. And-, and, and I love Wonderwall. But it's certainly not a pop record, it's a soundtrack. It is. And it's kind of amateurishly recorded. It'll- at times so all things was passed being his first solo record i think he viewed it as that and as the years went on he looked back at it saying oh i could have done that differently the outtakes discs are much more listenable on all things must pass it's great to finally get an official version of the acoustic demos you know i'd always love that and it's great to get a real version of it, a nicely mixed version of it. Those demo tapes are in such great condition, so therefore there are pretty decent versions of a lot of songs that never ended up on a release. So you have a whole bunch of new George Harrison songs, Dara Dune and Cosmic Empire and Window Window. I mean, there's probably about 10 songs there that aren't officially released and so these are decent versions of them. and you also have george doing a rock and roll session which is pretty cool yeah oh and to, to bring back up plastic on band now we know what uh john is singing at the end of i'm losing you when he when he goes off on that long lost john it's like oh he's <laughs> quoting an old song i never knew that i never realized that's what he was doing in all these releases i've also realized that that's a long-standing song for john i mean he sings it a lot and i believe i read in a biography from a couple of years back that he he did that song as in the quarterman it's just like why did paul do mary had a little lamb because his daughter liked hearing her name sung <laughs> you know I, I think john was the same way right. it's like yeah okay cool <laughs> right johnny be good <laughs> My pick to click off of that disc on All Things Must Pass is Wedding Bells. I love George singing that song. <laughs> yeah, breaking up that old gang of mine. Another song which had <laughs> clearly been a Beatle favorite because John, Paul, and George ha- have either mentioned or sang a version of it through the years. <laughs> a song Mick Jagger has never sung. <laughs> well, that we know of. He's been through several sets of wedding bells, and his old gang <laughs> is not breaking up because of that. Nope. He just he just nope. hopes he can uh, borrow Keith's picture of Dorian Gray. <laughs> yeah, that's going to charge on for a while, I think. So after all things must pass, we knew something was coming, but we weren't quite sure what. McCartney had kind of hinted that there was a covers record coming. 
although he didn't say covers of what. Yeah, right. Uh, and then in July of 2021, although we'd actually gotten it digitally back around when the All Things Must Pass box came out, McCartney 3 Imagined. Yes, versions done by other artists. In some cases, covers. In some cases, really just sort of remixes. Yeah. What it reminds me most of is the Twin Freaks project. Fair enough. So what was your favorite? They're all so different. Uh, I like Beck's Find My Way. Yeah, I like that one. The the video was great. Audio was really, really good. I like Beck, like his ideas. The one that really got me, though, is Phoebe Bridgers. Yeah, and she changed the lyrics a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it, it's very much in the Phoebe Bridgers style. And then the Krongbin, I like that. That was kind of cool. It's very different. We're gonna set your world on fire. What we will remember off of that disc, I think, is the video. Yeah. <laughs> this is true. I like Beckett. I like his work. Yeah, it's it's a good version, and you know, I like his story that his remix is guided by Paul and Nancy being unable to get off the dance floor. <laughs> but they they went out and partied, and they just kept dancing. And it's like right. I wish I had half that guy's energy. And then he turned around and said, "Okay, I'll put that into my remix of this song." Well, the McCartney Three Imagined CD kind of elevated the whole project for me before it was like well i recorded this album during lockdown and it's mccartney three and blah 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 and you know i listened to there's some songs i really liked but the whole uh imagined thing just made it's like wow i mean this is like a serious effort even though he had things to do with it and then there were things he wasn't involved in it just became a bigger thing for me. There were certainly some artists who were happy to do a favor for Paul McCartney, and anybody would do probably anything if he asked, but I have to wonder how much all of these different artists, what they really thought of the songs. Yeah, I couldn't say, you know. Well, I mean, obviously we don't know. But the yeah. version of Kiss of Venus, Dominic Fike, it's, it's like, wow, I like that a lot. I may even take that over the McCartney version for the reasons I explained earlier. Yeah, taking it from a black soul perspective, which is just so different from the way McCartney does it. And then, of course, Paul made a little guest appearance. The old guy reading the newspaper at the end of that video, <laughs> which is, is yeah. somehow appropriate. Yeah. And you got the little rap break in there. And it's like, oh, OK, yeah, I get it. It's modern. It is modern. Yeah. Then that takes us to August. We got Ringo's second EP, uh, Change the World. It's good. Change the World, the song is only okay. Uh, I'm not sure I would have gone with the kids singing along. <laughs> Ringo got the kids. <laughs> and, and unlike other people, I like the cover of Rock Around the Clock. Yeah. Like I said earlier, he, uh, the people around him and him, I mean, they, they make good records. They sound good. And so it's cool. I don't have anything to say negative about it. And we get another reggae song. We get a country-ish song, which I'm glad to see. I really want Ringo to do a whole country EP if he's going to keep doing this EP route. He's, he's so good at it. Yeah, that's clearly his natural thing, you know. That's the world he likes best. And Ringo very much seems to have, unlike Paul, accepted the fact that, well, I'm not going to naturally get a number one album or single anymore, so I'm just going to do what I want to do. <laughs> right well and clearly he is he's almost 82 and he's got jet black hair <laughs> <laughs> well i mean you know paul has finally let his gray grow out right <laughs> right and then what does look like is going to be the last audio release of the year was the let it be box which we've been talking about for the last five weeks what a complete mess and a hodgepodge let it be was you know you've got and, and the tapes, you know, because I'm listening to the eight-track tapes, mixing up eight-track tapes. You know, you've got Savile Row um, recordings. You've got rooftop recordings. You've got Abbey Road recordings, both um, Across the Universe and I Me Mine. And then you have Phil Spencer's overdubs later as well on top of that. And so, in a way, you know, we did things like reamping the strings back in Abbey Road and stuff like that. And in a way, I tried to make the album have more of a unified sound to it and sound less like it be, it's been stuck together. And I think, yeah. 
I think we've been successful with some of the overdubs, like with Long and Wide Road and, and Let It Be and Across the Universe. The, the, to me, the orchestra sounds a little less tacked on. It's not necessarily quiet, it just feels less tacked on to me. So, yeah. And also, you know what? I always think that even if people don't like the stuff, we do the film anyway. And, you know, I think the album sounds better. Also, the spatial audio stuff is great, by the way. The Let It Be and Spatial Audio sounds really, really, really good. It's, you know, I, I have a Dolby Atmos room at home, a much bigger room than the room I'm in Abbey Road for now. I have a Dolby and I played a guy, actually did, um, John, who was doing interviewing with the EPK, I played him Let It Be, and he almost burst into the tears. There's something really, you know, the technology's improved to say, well, you can get people in the room with you. And I it's great. I'm I'm very happy with, with this box. Yeah. I'm actually probably happier with this box than I was with the Abbey Road box. Yeah, it's it's kind of nice that this album got a really good presentation because it would have been easier, for, not easier, but it would have been easy for it not to be because everybody kind of viewed the album as not that great or whatever, which I don't get. Their final decision to go with the EP still didn't quite sit well with me but you know they didn't charge anymore for it so okay if you're gonna give me a disc and leave it at the same price fine and they didn't charge you a thousand dollars this is true an uber box from that would have to be made from the uh, planks of the original stage that they played on <laughs> right get a real policeman's badge getting an official version of a glenn john's mix we won't go into all the business with japan and well which glenn john's mix is it but uh, Right. I'm glad that that's there. Beyond that, the two, I guess, sessions discs is what we would call them. Those are lots of fun. Although the first is better than the second. And in a way, one of the discs, as you once said, could almost belong on Abbey Road because it's all this material that was going to end up on Abbey Road. So we got that because Abbey Road's already been released. It's It wasn't going to be on yep. that. Okay, so we're, you know, we're going to touch on a couple other things that came out this year we're not gonna cover everything so as mentioned there was a separate plastic ono band book and that's really nice you know it presents not only what's in the box that comes with the album but it also presents what was going on with john and yoko at the time lots of new photographs interviews with people like Tarek ali just as we were talking about sometime in new york city the plastic ono band they were involved in all sorts of things at the time and so the book really kind of illustrates, yes, there's this music, which you get in this box, but, but there are a lot of other things going on. Yeah. And, and then you even get things like maps of uh, Tittenhurst. Right. What was actually going on when John talks about, oh, well, we're, we're walking around this portion of the grounds. And it's like, oh, okay. Here, it tells you. Right. <laughs> so it was a good book and the next book you're going to have to talk about yourself because i haven't gotten it yet i may get it for christmas <laughs> so separate from what's in the let it be box this is actually more a companion to the film and right there's pictures from the entirety of the get back sessions not just stills from the film but all the way through the sessions in 1970 so how many of them are the same pictures we've seen over the years 60 percent, you know maybe a little okay. over half but the, they're also printed much better here and then cool. you know we get excerpts of the dialogue it is effectively a fully fleshed out version of the book which came with the original get back box the let it be box that that came out in britain but not in the States. Except 50 years later, we should be able to match the dialogue with the proper photograph. And we can, for the most part. Speaking of the, the get back, both the photos and the film, I didn't know that George played Rocky all that much during the get back sessions. I know he brought it in for like one or two days, but it seems that we've now seen pictures in film from a couple of different days beyond that, that he played Rocky. It's like, oh, gee, right. that's kind of cool. That would be his guitar. The brightly painted guitar from Magical Mystery Tour. But if, if nothing else, getting Linda's photos. Yeah. The Ethan photos were good, if a little bit professional looking. I mean, you know, as they should be. Whereas Linda's are much more candid snaps. Yeah. And she was there. <laughs> right in it. Well, I, as we now know, you know, she was there more than we might have guessed that she was there. Yeah. 
But as we have also learned about Paul McCartney from the uh, the Love You Make documentary the, about the 2001 thing, he films things such that you can easily snip people out. His wife at the time uh, was in, oh, probably 90% of the footage, and she's nowhere to be seen other than like in the background of about two shots in, in the finished film. Huh. Interesting. Well, I mean, you know. It didn't come out for a decade, so, and at that point, which is, you know, the same reason that, uh, yeah, we're probably never going to get a deluxe edition driving rain. <laughs> right. You never know. The estate might be. Yeah, I mean, you know, once Paul's gone, Beatrice is going to say, I was a little kid. I remember going to those sessions. Yeah, I remember what Paul said. So, yeah, the the Get Back book is great. It's actually the cheaper of the books. Yeah, you can find it at Costco for less than 40 bucks. Uh, and the Costco version has a packet of photos enclosed inside. And uh, the one I got, the one from Target, has uh, full-size versions of the original lobby cards, which is really nice. Yeah. Which is another thing. If you're a completist, you have to get the Target and the Costco. You have to get both of them. But you have to get all three because, you know, the, the regular edition doesn't have either of those in it. <laughs> and then maybe one more because you're going to want to keep one sealed and the other one you're going to look at. I tell you, it's an industry. For the lyrics book, you've got the British version, which has the uh, Chaos and Creation slipcover. You've got the American version, which has the green slip cover, and then you have the uh, deluxe signed edition, which has an orange slip cover. Huh. <laughs> I had no idea. There's another slip cover that Mal signed. So you're saying Mal is Elvis? <laughs> the police didn't actually shoot him. He, he's taking care of Elvis, and, and Paul found him and said, You're going to sign some books or else. We're going to reveal your secret. <laughs> Or maybe it was like, uh, I need some money, so I'm going to do this. But, yeah. I, actually, I thought you meant that Mal was Elvis. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's fascinating. We've never seen them both at the same time. Yeah, Mal is not in any of those photos when they're visiting Elvis in Beverly Hills. See? See? And there's no reason why he wouldn't be with them. There you go. What other photographs is he not in? <laughs> so, But could Elvis swim? Actually, he could, couldn't he? <laughs> I don't know. I'll have to look at my Elvis <laughs> book. But yeah, the lyrics book, the closest analogy would be the uh, the Harrison lyrics book from several years back. Yeah. Except that Paul has gone all out, 154 songs covering both Beatle years and solo years, and even before Beatle years. Yeah, I think what's interesting about this book, you know, what I've heard, uh, because I don't have it, hint, hint is that he really seems to go into when, when he talks about the reasons for writing songs, he really goes deeper than he usually does. You know? It's called from five years of conversations with uh, Paul Muldoon. They would just sit down when either of them were available for a couple hours and they would just video and audio tape. And boy, would I love to get a chance to see those archives. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, like we're talking about with Get Back, there is apparently, you know, 50 to 60 hours of conversation between the two of them that's, that's just recorded. Wow. Probably needs an editor, though. Cut out all the, would you like a cup of tea? Well, I, you know, again, uh, we hear George ordering lunch on the Get Back box. <laughs> I would be quite happy to, to hear all the times Paul asks for a, a bagel with Marmite. <laughs> right that could be your ringtone <laughs> whether or not you're interested in the stories and, and the stories are good but you have to realize that well it does have a little bit of the rambling old man feel to them at times <laughs> right you know well, right. well i'm thinking about this and that causes me to think about that and that causes me to think about this other thing and paul also has an unfortunate tendency to conflate events so it's not necessarily going to be the best factual document to go back to 
you know, it may be actually aimed at the uh, rambling old man <laughs> audience because, you know, these old guys, <laughs> myself included, be flipping through going, I-, I follow this just perfectly. I know. It. Yeah, exactly. But that makes it so. no less fascinating to read. And uh, <laughs> right. This is what it's like to be in Paul McCarty's mind, sort of. Yeah, exactly. And then beyond that, you get more pictures than you would ever want. Well, not that we would ever want, but more <laughs> pictures than most people would ever want. And usually you get like written copies of the lyrics and you get, as we mentioned when we talked about this previously, the McCartney archives consist of a million separate items. So you get lots of really cool pictures of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, the same sorts of yeah. things that we've been getting in the books that go along with the deluxe editions of the box set, but now they're in context. You know, rather than just, right. oh, here's here's a photo you know, from the Red Rose Speedway sessions. It's like, oh, well, okay, this has to do with this song. Yeah, that's cool. My favorite kind of facsimile is the one where it's like you have the lyrics, but then you have lines scratched out and another lyric on top or something. Handwritten copies of complete lyrics. You know that's probably the seven or eight version of that. I, I want to see the original stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and se- at least since the uh, wide album days someone's been keeping track of those (laughs) yeah they made a point of not letting them just end up in the bin although apparently even from as back as early as 64 65 uh, someone would come in and take significant amounts of their waste paper and keep it yeah clearly even the first edition of hunter davies book had lyric facsimiles that went back further than he was ever around so somebody had to be holding on to some because he ended up with them and then my favorite story that came out of paul going through the archives back in the early days he and john had started to write a a musical and you know it it was some ideas and and apparently they'd written some lyrics and some lines and you know paul was just gee i wonder whatever happened to that they found it in one of his notebooks Oh my gosh! And it's it is in the lyrics book, and it's like, wow, because huh. they didn't know what this was, and they, they took it to Paul and said, uh, you know, what exactly is this? And it's like, it's the musical. That's great. So, so what 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 does that come from? I mean, is that like sixty? Uh, you know, it, it's just like a school notebook that he had had, and as we mentioned, Paul is a pack rat. I don't know where Paul would have kept it during the years that he was still in liverpool it's like where exactly did you have room for all of this paul yeah well it was a small collection then (laughs) if i go and look i still have not all of them but significant numbers of my own old school notebooks and nobody's gonna want to read those but they're there yeah just because you put them aside and then 10 years later it's like oh well this was 10 years ago oh you know that's kind of cool i'll hold on to that and then, because I've only moved house a couple times, I never got to the stage where it's like, oh, well, okay, I really don't need to hold on to this anymore. Yeah, when you have to move hundreds of miles, <laughs> it's like, do I really want to take this? Yeah, I think everybody kind of keeps old stuff for a while, anyway. Then in conclusion, you know, if you want to give something that Beatles-related that's not too expensive, go ahead and give them six months of uh, Hulu. McCartney 321 is still available, streaming on Hulu. As with the lyrics, you watch it for Paul, well, uh, Paul and Rick Rubin. Yeah, and it's very entertaining. There's things that you haven't heard, and it's a delight watching McCartney kind of listen to what he did. You know, I'm sure he didn't sit in his house going, I think I'll put in uh, the old help tapes. (laughs) Uh, so he, he got to hear some of these things that he hadn't heard in decades. Yeah, and it was just, it was fun watching him rediscover some of his own past. And then, of course, there's the biggie. Go and give all of your friends a month of the Disney Channel. It, it's incredible that you hear all you know, all the complaints about, I'm not going to do that. And, and you're thinking, you're getting like seven hours of footage that you could actually rewatch for less than you'd pay if you went to the theater. The only thing I regret about the decision to make it a series on Disney is that 
I was kind of looking forward to the communal aspects of being in a theater watching the Beatles with a theater full of people. Yeah. That's a celebratory kind of thing. It's That could actually be an experience in itself. The good And also, how many random cuts of this did they do? We've heard that there's a 42-minute version that they just streamed out to selected media. So that's probably just the rooftop, if I had to guess. That's well. That's the uh, that's about the the length of the rooftop session. So, and then there were a number of showings, both in Los Angeles and London, of a hundred minute version, which you, so we saw a lot of celebrities coming out, and and Paul and Nancy right. were there, and that was the rooftop plus one random day. I think it was uh, like the twenty fourth or something. Right. So there's two, yeah. And then there's the full version, and there's several different trailers and we saw a great photo of julian and sean and stella they got to go through the whole thing the full nearly eight hours that's interesting because it's really really long and i can see really dedicated beetle fans me you you know there'll be people who certainly could sit through an eight hour presentation whether it was eight hours in one sitting or whether they did four and four or but from most accounts i mean stella certainly had something later that day uh she had a show where she's i'm sorry she's taking advantage just a little bit she got a get back collection now oh nice so so you get a furry jacket george's green pants a red mac i don't think so but uh, it might as well be, for all we're going to uh, pick up something like that. Uh, each of them has put out some various statements on Twitter. And for Julian to say that he understands his dad better, it's like, wow. You know, there were a lot of things I didn't know about my dad as a man. And now I feel much closer to him. It's like, is Peter Jackson that good? Well, Perhaps, but at the same time, you know, I recently had a family reunion that everybody brought pictures and old films and watching an old film that you haven't seen of your parents when they were young, you know, young, younger is, I mean, it's revealing in ways that will surprise you. You're getting a view of someone that perhaps is gone that you didn't have. So. I can see where he could say he understands his dad better. I mean, from our perspective, you know, just seeing all the Beatle kids together, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, this this is a big deal. <laughs> and especially Julian and Sean. I mean, you know, we, we keep hearing that Julian is occasionally not happy with the Lennon side of the family. Well, you know. But again, it's the same thing. They're brothers. Yeah. And at this point in his life, he was what six and months earlier his parents had broken up and who knows how he feels about it all we we also got his thoughts on imagine you know and, and the making of that where he was during the making of that record the one that we haven't heard from is uh, uh is kyoko i guess she was around then i mean she was certainly around for abbey road I don't know whether she was she was ever actually at any of the sessions, the get back sessions. Yeah, you know, I, I don't really know. Or was she off with Tony at that point? Quite possible. Anyway, that's the last fourteen months, twenty two discs worth of uh, Beatles material. It's like that's quite a lot. That is a quite a lot. I'm thinking twenty twenty two is going to be tumbleweeds. I fully <laughs> expect that we'll get at least one, if not both, of the the McCartney archive editions. Uh, next year could be or and we could get a book that's about this year you know i don't just want a, a documentary that's gonna be on the blu-ray i want peter jackson to write a book about the making of <laughs> get back <laughs> well you know it's he's gonna put out an extra five hours on the dvd and then we'll all speculate about what did he leave out <laughs> yeah exactly and then the other thing which has already been mentioned and hinted at from sean is the Sometime in New York City box, which I still wonder how that's going to work. Uh, maybe you have to write in. <laughs> he has said that they're working on it, so and I can't imagine them just, well, I mean, again, there's a reason they put Angela on the Give Me Some Truth set. 
Right. Not only because right. they didn't want to leave out sometime in New York City. I think that's representative of, yeah, you know, we're going to release ultimate editions of everything. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I said earlier that one of my favorite songs was Sunday Bloody Sunday, which I really like. But this album also has Phil Spector's fingerprints on it. So... Although, you know, particularly given what was done with Angel Baby, I'm really looking forward to the ultimate edition of rock and roll. That and, <laughs> and we've got all those outtakes that we know exist. You know, that could be could potentially be a great box. My wife's favorite album of his. And then, you know, especially if you throw in like some of the stuff he did with Ringo and some of the some of the Pussycat stuff. You know, right. those outtakes just could be loads of fun. Yeah. Well, okay, so 2022. Because we didn't have two or three boxes pushed into the year, you know, it's not going to be tumbleweeds, but it's also not going to be... Uh... 22 CDs. <laughs> so those are two projects, and I, I would expect something from George. I mean, uh, yeah. Danny has already said that they've basically worked out a five-year plan. And then we, uh, Ringo has already said that he wants to get one more EP and then an LP version. So I guess we'll have to count those as two separate CDs uh, for, <laughs> for Christmas of next year. Well, if Danny says they have a five-year plan, these other kids need to step up. I would say that Sean also has a five-year plan, at least, if not a 10-year plan. I yeah. think he's at least going to take us through the anniversary of, uh, of Double Fantasy. That that would be great. And Paul and Ringo's plan is to just keep waking up. <laughs> exactly. So, and we're glad to have them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And my pick for something that which has not been announced is a second season of 321. That'd be fun. Although maybe not with Rick Rubin, not because I don't like Rick Rubin, but I'd like somebody else to be in that chair. Right. Yeah, there's a lot more they could explore. That would be fun to see. We're not quite sure when we're going to fit this in around all of our Get Back reviews. This may end up being an extra show, but it, that's where we're at. Uh, hope you're enjoying all of our talking about Get Back. Yes, I hope so. And we'll be back uh, next week, maybe earlier, depending upon where we're at. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's coming fast all and right. furious. So uh, we'll see you. Subscribe to When They Was Fab on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are found. Please join our Facebook group, and we could be reached at When They Was Fab and on Gmail. The opening theme was written, produced, and recorded by Jay Young Kim, Beaster Famine Studios, San Francisco, California. all about this delight let it be was quite a complicated album released in 1970 almost a month after the band had broken up and quite a lot of backstory here Giles yeah it, it was it's a it's it was it's known as the last Beatles album but actually in essence about a year before it came out the the, the band is a crazy decision because they hadn't been playing live they hadn't done any touring they decided to do okay we're gonna do a live show and we're going to write songs, and we don't know where the live show's going to be. We're going to write a bunch of songs. That's, that's going to be our album. We'll record it. And they had two and a half weeks to do it because Ringo was about to do a film, which is a kind of a, you know, any band doing that now would be absolutely mad. And so they ended up playing on the rooftop of Savile Row, and they didn't have enough songs, and they sort of wrapped the project. And what happened was John and George, John Lennon and George Harrison, went to Phil Spector after this when the Beatles are kind of broken up and asked him to finish the album for them without Paul being happy about it. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, so this, and I mean, this is a thing. Your dad, George Martin, obviously, Beatles producer, famously described Let It Be as being overproduced by <laughs> Phil <laughs> Spector. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, um, he, well, he was a bit miffed, uh, to say the least, that they didn't really want him involved in the recording of the, the, the initial album because it was going to be a live show and he was a record producer and he was also a record company guy. And, you know, he was the person at Abbey Road and they did this outside of Abbey Road. Um, I, he was even more more uh, miffed is a polite word of saying it when they got Phil Spector because Phil Spector then did all of the things that he would have done um, so yeah he was let it be wasn't the happiest of times for him I don't think I tell you one thing there's sickness going on and there's some good people doing work in hospitals but they got no bread to do it on not only are they working in a miserable condition with sick people but the scraping the barrel for funds to keep going. Turned up nice again. 